Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer with you. Oilers Now. It is currently 1235 in Edmonton. Where guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse. 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor that Oilers now sent you. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. And uh, we had a real cool moment last night before the game. Jack Michelson uh, tweeted out a picture of Louis DeBrusque interviewing his son, Jake. I know that it went viral, the uh, the interview. And uh, we're going to go to uh, Louis DeBrusque, who's a regular contributor to Oilers Now. Uh, from NHL Hockey and Rogers, Louis DeBrusque is today's Oilers Now headliner for touchback safety. From fall protection to forklift training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. Louis, how are you? Hey, Bob, doing well, bud. How are you doing today? Good. Was that a little bit surreal last night for you to interview your son, Jake, before the game? It was. It was really surreal. It was, uh, it was a special moment. I uh, I was a little nervous, to be honest with you, going into the interview. I'd never done a bench interview before, so I kind of was thinking about questions. I wanted to keep it professional. And then he chirped me on the first question that he gave him. So I'm like, oh, boy, this could go south in a hurry here, but... I kept it in line to get one more question out there, and then we kind of went back and forth a couple of times. But, you know what, just an amazing moment. Another one of those situations where, you know, my bosses, my company have been so supportive in that nature to allow me to do things like that, call his games and be right there and interview him. I thought it was uh, just terrific, and um, he's good. You know what, it's been nice to see him progress over the years. He's good in front of the media. He's good with a microphone, um, always gives good answers, and it's been nice to see that maturity grow in him for over the last few years in the league, and, yeah, it was special. It was awesome. Well, and it's been quite the journey because, you know, like, as an example, a guy like Connor McDavid, he was literally a phenom from the time that he was 13 or 14 years of old. In, in Jake's case, he was a little bit of a late bloomer, wasn't he? He was, you know, like, and that's—he was just a smaller kid growing up, and he—he kind of filled out later juniors, where he really started to come into his, you know, fill into his size and play the, the game that he's playing now. But before that, it's you know, just kind of a kid playing hockey, loving the game, and and growing every year, and that's. You know, kind of been the progression for him. You know, I talked to Connor's dad though last night about that, and it's no different. He brought up the the interview, and you know, it's a special time. But you know, when they were watching Connor play his first few games, the nerves were off the out of the charts. You know, just for them, just, even though Connor's been this phenom, he's still their boy, and you know, that's that's a parents watching the game, watching their son play, and they just wanted to do well. And I'm the same, so I can relate to that. Um, and I think every parent can relate to that, watching your children do whatever it is they're doing. I think that's kind of the, the bond we have with our children, and we only want them to do well. Now, Louis, you cover uh, the entire league, obviously, with your role, but you're also one of the two analysts that work Oiler games uh, between you and Drew. Uh, but you get a chance to watch Boston a lot. And I guess, you know, from my perspective, watching the Oilers on a game-by-game basis, I'm starting not to be surprised by the level of compete. You know, they, they went down to Tampa. They played a terrific game against the Lightning, Louis. Uh, they got wins in back-to-back nights. Carolina's a good team, as you know. 
and they play the Bruins hard. And Tampa Bay and the Bruins right now, those teams are they're just on fire. And they and in both situations, Edmonton went up against Vasilevsky and Tukarask. Those are two of the three or four best goalies in the entire world right now. So what does it say about the Oilers that they're 3-1-1 one, one here without Connor McDavid? They're 12-4-3 in the last 19 games. From your perspective, what are you seeing right now with what Edmonton's accomplishing against some really good teams? You're right. Two best teams in the league right now. Tampa's been on absolute fire, and the Bruins have been right behind them and been able to continue that pace uh, in front of them to be tops in the National Hockey League. I, to be honest, I, I think it starts even earlier than that. Like, I would even go back to December 31st. I think January into this month, February, it, there's just been a different type of feeling with the team. They're playing great hockey. They really are. And it's not a fluke I, I, by any means. I just think that they've really bought into the system. They've bought into the way that they have to play. The personnel that Ken Holland's brought in here, it's changed the makeup of the team. It's changed the speed. It's changed the makeup. And I just think guys are maturing and stepping up in big ways. That was a really, really solid hockey game last night. I'll tell you, I was, you know, on that bench, I was like, I can't believe how hard pucks are being battled for. Now, I've seen this on a regular basis from Boston. That's how they play the game. That's their identity. Four lines roll. They don't try and play a super fancy game. The top line, I know, the perfection line can can dangle tic-tac-toe and they can score special goals. And they do have some offensive weapons. You know, Jake Krejci, I get that. But the way they play is they play a team-oriented, structured, hard game. And they lean on you and they pressure you. Excuse me. I thought Edmonton, after weathering that storm in the first period, because that could have been a different game if it wasn't for Mike Smith. I thought Mike Smith was fantastic throughout the whole game. Stoned my kid a few times, too, which uh, he would have loved to score on home ice. But Mike Smith said, not today, kid, not on my shift. He was really solid in there. And they, but after they weathered that storm, it was an even Steven game, in my opinion. I thought it was back and forth. There was great chances. Both teams, excellent power plays, but excellent penalty kills as well. So it was kind of one of those battles inside the battle where a special team game, and it was Edmonton that had the power play goal. But you know, I thought it was a fantastic game, and that just goes to show you the level that Edmonton can play at right now without the likes of McDavid, Neal, Clefbaum, Nygaard, and, you know, and the list goes on. Russell, they have so many players that are in the lineup right now that they you know, have to come together and play that structured game. But I'll tell you, I do believe that when those players get back into the lineup, it's not going to change their game. I think this is the way they want to play. I think this is the way they realize they have to play. And uh, I really hope they can bring that together with the entire team because if they do it that way, now they're a really formidable team. They're going to be a tough team to beat. Louis, they got 63 goals from a top line. McDavid with 30, Neal with 19, Cassian suspended with 14 out of the lineup. They don't have Clefbaum, their 25-minute-a-game defenseman. Uh, Nygaard was looking like a good fit in a third line with Shane and Archibald that could really check and get in with the speed on the wings. And, and then, obviously, Chris Russell's a veteran defenseman. Six regulars out of the lineup. You got to – a team has to have will and belief. So how much of this is on the coaching staff and what they've sort of been able to, to do here? Because I think they're – you know, you mentioned the goaltending. That's important. When your special teams are number one and number two in the NHL, it's often a reflection on coaching. So you tell me, from your perspective, you've you've been on teams where there has been belief, and you've been on teams where there hasn't. I, I get lucky, you know. I'm I'm right down in the mix, and I get to stand on that bench. And the Oilers are great at allowing me to be down there between the benches. It's not really between; you're actually on the Oilers bench. I know I'm over the red line a little bit, so I'm kind of in the middle, but. 
I get to see things and just the communication between the coaches and the players. You know, Glenn Gullitson, he's always up and down the bench. He's tapping guys. Jim Playfair, same thing. He's tapping guys. Every single coach to that degree is on that bench making sure they're talking, making sure they're instructing. And it's not scream and shout. You know, Dave Tippett, if you look at him, he'll, he'll be the first one to try and deflect any attention to him that he gets for being a great coach. But I think the players appreciate his the way that he delivers that message. And, I, and I've said this, when they signed him on to be the head coach, I didn't know Tip that well, but I'd run across him quite a few times over the course of my career. And I talked to people that had played with him, that had, had been coached by him. And the one thing that they always said was, is that he just has a knack for being able to deliver the message the right way so each individual player can bring the best out in their game. Now, that's coaching one-on-one to me. If I'm, if I'm thinking to myself, if I want to coach, you've got to deal with 25 different personalities, 25 different um, types of players that aren't always going to take the message the same way. So you're going to have to be able to mix that up and match that. And I go back to Glenn Sather. He was one of the first coaches that I remember talking about this openly, that there's some guys you can yell at to get the best out of them. There's some guys that you're going to have to be a little more gentle with and kind of send that message a little more subtly. And if you can figure that out, if you can figure that out, then you get the buy-in. And that's what I'm seeing this year. I do believe you have to give the players a lot of credit too yep. and most of the credit because they're ready to receive that message. If you're not ready to receive that message and take it and go do it on the ice, then it's just not going to happen. I don't care how good of a player you are. You're still going to be a great player, but you, you're not going to be a great team. So that, that's what I'm seeing. So you have to give a lot of credit to the coaching staff, but I take my hat off and give a lot of credit to the players this year for just staying in that battle and staying in the hunt and anytime there's been a drop-off and a few losses, they're able to get right back on track because of that type of game they're playing and get back in the win column, grind out a point against Boston, go on in there and really battle a hot Tampa Bay team. They lost that game, but I thought it was a good game as well. And though that, that's kind of what they've been preaching all year long is we just need to stay in this battle, stay in that pressure, and each and every game, I think it gets a little bit better. It's still a work in progress. There's still going to be the ups and downs. You just hope that those ups and downs aren't as high and low as they've been in years past. Louis, is Leon Dreisaitl a Hart Trophy candidate? 100%. I mean, why wouldn't he be? That's the most glaring argument that you're not really going to have an answer for. Um, you're going to talk about his plus minus? Are you kidding me? I mean, he's going up against the best every night. He's, you know, he's, you know, put out there logging 25 minutes as a forward each night. He's been up over that. I mean, he's been around 30 before. I mean, this guy logs a lot of minutes. I'm no different than Connor McDavid. You know, these guys go out there and everybody's trying to shut them down on a nightly basis. That is the number one objective. Not too many teams have two players like Bryce Island McDavid on their team. And that's the one thing about Edmonton that sets them apart and why they're so talked about and why it's such a, a topic of discussion, the Edmonton Oilers, because you have two extremely elite players on the team. Um, no different than the Pittsburgh Penguins with Crosby and Malkin. And, yes, I can put Dreisaitl right in that conversation with Evgeny Malkin, 100%. I can put Connor McDavid right in that conversation with Sidney Crosby. Listen, they're fantastic, unbelievable players that you can build around, but when teams come in to play them, there's no question they're ready for them. There's no question they're putting their A game out there and they're trying to do everything in their power, even stepping over the line of the law, of the rules, to try and do it. And you know what? They've battled that. They've been able to weather that. And like I said before, I think more, now more than ever, what I see in this team 
is I see a team that believes. I see a team that understands, okay, this is the way we need to play to be successful, and this is the way we're going to play. They're starting to create that identity, and that's the word that's thrown around all the time. This is the way they want to be known as a team that they're playing against, and they're starting to do it on a more consistent basis. Louis, when's the last time you saw Patrice Bergeron get you-know-what kicked in the face-off circle? Drysaddle <laughs> went 20-12, tw- and 12, and Ber- he smoked Bergeron head-to-head in that game. You know, I'm trying to think there was a game earlier on, and I watch a lot of games, so I apologize. I can't remember the game. There was a game earlier that I was like, wow, he's kind of getting dominated in the draw tonight. Um, and I'm trying to remember who it was. Oh. It, for some reason, I want to say he had some real battles with O'Reilly, too. And, yeah. you know, last year in the Stanley Cup final, similar type of face-off men. Big guys, big blades, use their power, are strong. You know, that's where Leon, I think, as he gets older, too, he's going he's gonna to understand, like, when he wants to really buckle down and just win a battle, <laughs> good, good luck. You know, that's, you know, Ryan O'Reilly uses that really stiff stick. He has that big blade, just like Leon. And he, he says he uses that stick so that he can power through on, on, on battles for the puck. And it works for him. He's one of the best in the league, you know, a Selkie winner. So, I mean, he's like, that guy is just an incredible player. And I think Leon, the Selkie trophy is one that he wants to win. That's one that he said would be the most special if he could win it because it, it just signifies playing the right way. It really does. And I, and I like that attitude from him. And, uh, for Leon, you know, we talked about that yesterday with him, Kevin and I, before the game in the morning. We, we asked him about that, and he, you know, he says, listen, I take criticism for my minuses sometimes, but he goes, it's not like I'm not trying to play a defensive game. He right. says, you know, listen, like, he's a big guy. He's logging himself up and down the ice. I think he's right up there in the top ten for defensive possession carries from the defensive zone to the offensive zone. I mean, he logs that puck up and down the ice on a nightly basis. And uh, I can't help it when I say that, but to think back to that, that movie Airplane, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he's the pilot, and he goes, you try dragging him around the court for 48 minutes. You know, that's Leon. He's a big guy. You yeah. know what? Sometimes he doesn't look like he's going that fast, but he's going pretty fast and he's powerful. But um, yeah, you know what? He was solid in the face-off dot last night against one of the best in the business. And a guy, you know what, that you can really look up to in that defensive role. Pat, Patrice Bergeron is playing his best hockey in the last seven years. Now, if you look back at the early start of his career, he scored 31 goals his second year in the league. And then he went, I think it was six or seven years where he didn't, 22 around there. Oh, yeah. he, scored. he had a bad bad injury for yep, sure. Yep. And, and he, you know, he came back from that. But in the last six years, he's had 30 or more goals four times, and he's going to have 30 again this year. So that's five of the last seven years he's playing his best hockey. Now, he has two world-class wingers. I understand that. But I think with him, that's just a real good indication of how you can season yourself and develop into a player over time and play your best hockey late. So, I mean, when I look at Leon Dreisa, I'm like, this kid's still learning. He's just learning this right now. Same with Connor McDavid. They're just learning how to play this game. And I know people say, what are you talking about? You know, he led the scoring race two years in a row. He was second last year. Leon's probably going to lead it this year. I get it. Points are one thing. But playing the right way are an entirely different thing. And I think both of them are starting to really get it. And that's, that's a great sign for the future of this team. The funny thing is the uh, hardcore stats geeks would say, well, he was minus, you know, like, you know, and the expected goals are this. And, they're, you, you know, their puck possession is 47-48. I mean, you, you watched the game last night, Louie. He wasn't responsible in either of the two goals against. They just got unlucky on – I mean – 
if, if Yamamoto has a puck bounce his way instead of not his way, maybe Edmonton finishes that off. All right, final question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot here, big boy. Okay, you ready? Yep. Yes. Yeah. What kind of scouting report have you got on the Minnesota Wild? <laughs> you know what? Listen, I think they're a team, to be honest with you, that should be better than they are. You know, I look at their roster, I look at the makeup of their team, and I say they should be a formidable team that should be much more difficult to play against. And obviously, Bill Guerin thought the same thing. Or else they wouldn't have made that coaching change at the time that they did because they were almost starting to come out of it, out of a little bit of a funk, and they were starting to play good hockey. They're a dangerous team. They can frustrate you. They're big. They play physical. Uh, they lean on you. And they have some They have some star power. They really do. They have some elite players that can play a real strong game. So... That's the scouting report for me. I think they've underachieved this year, but they're a dangerous team. For one second, take them lightly. Louis, as always, we appreciate your time. All right. Sounds good. See you, Bob. See you. 1251 in Edmonton. Uh, Brian Burke is coming up for Canadian Power Pack today. Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Back with the orders now, Audio Vault, when we return. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, let's get to it. It's 12.54 in Edmonton again. Uh, we were lucky enough to get Ken Holland on the show today a little earlier than we thought, so he joined us from 12.12 to 12.23. But now we'll go into the Oilers Now audio vault from Direct Workwear, where safety meets savings in Edmonton, Fort McMurray, and online at directworkwear.com. Here's the call, last night's game. After a heart-stopping win in Raleigh, North Carolina, the Oilers go ahead and get the whiplash. They snap back another 4,000 miles back to their home in Rogers Place, where they have been excellent, 6-1-1 one one over the last eight. But you know what? They're facing the best team in the league tonight. Here's Gagne, backhander off the crossbar. Rebound ripped by Larson. That was redirected. Now Marchand off to Bergeron, and he scores. With a brilliant deke to the backhand, tucked it in forehand side. This is Alex Chase on Rishon. For the point. Rebound, Gagne denied by Rask. Off the ricochet, Gagne with an outstanding opportunity. Trying to create space in front of the net is Chase on. Shot bear scores! A tip high slot perhaps from Gagne. Bear put it toward the net and Gagne deflected it home. We are tied at one. Sam Gagne, power play goal, his fifth of the year. Ethan Bear, I mean, he's got some ability. There's no question, and he's got terrific offensive instincts. Nugent Hopkins swings it back to the left point. Bears a right shot, goes to the middle of the ice, and an excellent high deflection by Sam Gagne. Bruins wired into the offensive zone. Big hit on Nordstrom. Shattering check by Matt Benning. Nordstrom came back with a cross check, got away with it. Chan at the Boston line, taken away. McAvoy rifles it in, and we're going OT. Mike Smith handling the puck, and I'll tell you what, that's a crowd of 17,804 that appreciates Edmonton's gritty, determined effort to take the league's number one team to extra time. Finally dishes off to Darnell Nurse, who is able to break around Pasternak, head for the net, and then it was slid off his stick at the last moment. Pasternak breaks free. He's going to have a breakaway to win it. Set up by Krejci, in on net, backhander score! And the Bruins will win it 2-1 to one on David Pasternak's 43rd of the year. 
All right, so there you have it. That's our audio recap for Direct Workwear, where safety meets savings in Edmonton. Fort McMurray and online at directworkwear.com. And uh, Dave Tippett, part of the reason why the Oilers got the point, a 7-for-7 seven seven night on the PK. Our penalty pill kill has been pretty strong all year. We've got some people that are really committed to it. I thought uh, Lagason jumped in, did a real good job for us tonight on it. Uh, Benning has jumped in and gave us some minutes there, so it continues to be good. Jimmy Playfair does an excellent job with the scheme and uh, and getting preparing our players. And, and like you say, that's a hard power play. That's a power play that's really, really dangerous. So I would rather not put them on the power play seven times, but we did, and uh, we got away with it tonight. So kudos to the penalty killers. Winners end up picking up a point. Uh, that is uh, the... Uh deal 3-1 and 1 without Connor McDavid in the lineup Edmonton 12-4 and 3 in their last 19 games Minnesota tomorrow uh, we'll tell you that uh, this fall you have a chance to join the president of New West Travel, Dennis Laliberte, on a spectacular 20-day trip to South Africa this tour takes through Cape Town coastal villages uh, the famous Victoria Falls plus two exciting safaris enjoy five-star hotels uh, dinners, guided tours to book now and save $1,000 per couple. Reach out to New West Travel. They've got a, a seminar on the 22nd of February with the experts uh, from uh, South Africa to confirm the South African tour. Again, New West Travel at newwesttravel.com. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack. This is Oilers Now, live from Rogers Place. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.